0: E4E is brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. In an effort to increase the availability and accessibility of UD expertise to Delaware's P 12 educators, leaders, and policy influencers, we have invited faculty members from the University of Delaware's nine colleges to share their research. We hope you enjoyed today's critical conversation and consider ways you might be able to leverage relevant research and UD expertise to advance policy and transform practice. Hello, my name is Dr. Anastasia Pernton, and I'm the Associate Director of the University of Delaware's Partnership for Public Education. On today's episode of the E4E podcast, Dr. Henry May, the Director of the Center for Research in Education and Social Policy, and Associate Professor specializing in evaluation, measurement, and statistics in the School of Education at the University of Delaware, and Dr. Lauren Bales, an Associate Professor in the University of Delaware School of Education, and program coordinator for the doctorate in education leadership are joining us to discuss the impact of early elementary school absenteeism on student achievement and the impact of absenteeism at the school level. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Great to be here. Thank you. So my first question is, how is absenteeism related to student achievement?
2: So I think the overarching answer is there are not that many ways in which absenteeism is not related to student achievement. And I think this has become even more evident during the pandemic when so many students were out of school. So we have a couple... Direct relationships. One is that students learn in school. They learn from their teachers, and we also see peer effects from being in classrooms with other students. There are also numerous adjacent benefits like belonging and play that influence learning. I think the other thing we need to pay attention to, and this is something I imagine we'll talk more about later on, is that when you see absenteeism, especially in the early grades, it's a real signal of absenteeism in the later grades. And this is problematic in both levels, because in the early grades, we see so much of that formative learning. We see social-emotional learning, and we also see things like literacy and numeracy in their very early developmental stages. And if students miss out on that, they're really missing the building blocks for the analytic and more sophisticated kinds of learning that come later. And so that we see as something that is really critical. And one of the reasons we focus this study on absenteeism in the early grades.
1: So adding to that, when you think about like how absenteeism relates to student achievement and the other factors that sort of are driving absenteeism, be it illness, or be it a family situation, or be it an environmental situation, or neighborhood situation, or even something that's related to the school context, engagement. All of those things, when you think about, well, what actually creates the link to student achievement? I'd argue it flows almost entirely through, or predominantly through, opportunity to learn. If you are not engaged in a learning environment, and actually doing learning activities, they can be play-based, of course, depending on the age, but if you're not actually engaged in those activities, that's opportunity to learn that's lost. And so it slows down your achievement. It slows down the development of knowledge and skills. So that I think is really the driving factor behind the relationships between Aspenteeism and achievement. The big question I think is, How much does absenteeism matter? At what point is it like too much? Because it's really not feasible to expect every single kid to be in school every single day of every single school year. It's just not going to happen.
0: So I know we may have touched a little bit on this, but I would like to dig deeper. What are the implications of absenteeism in early elementary school on individual student success?
1: So, not that I have data to support this, but it's my own hunch as a parent. The transition from either being at home prior to starting kindergarten or being in a pre-K setting or a daycare setting. The transition to kindergarten, it's academically for a child, a really, really important transition where the learning gets like bumped up into the next gear. And unfortunately, from a parent's perspective, well, it's, Maybe not taken as seriously as, say, oh, maybe third or fourth grade, you know, when the academics get really challenging and they have to learn fractions and and so for them, maybe missing kindergarten is not as big a deal, but I'd argue it is, because that's when a lot of the early learning is happening. and when you look at the trajectories of learning, kids are learning so much so fast. But we're sort of receiving mixed signals from schools in terms of what the schools are monitoring. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have state tests that begin in third grade, right? So everybody thinks, oh, it's third grade. And kindergarten might be, in some people's perspectives, not that different from pre K or even that different from daycare if the daycare was perceived to be a, an appropriate learning environment. So aside from the environmental, factors that drive like whether a kid is present or not on a given day it's almost as if there could be a difference in attitude about like a little kid missing a day of school ah not that big a deal they'll catch up so that's a hunch that i have you know it's definitely a target for future research but regardless of whether that's right I think the bottom line is, is that we should be working really, really hard to encourage and support daily attendance and to make sure that everybody's doing all that they can to make sure that you're taking advantage of every opportunity to learn that you have.
0: I'll just add
2: two things to that. One is that most of the research that we know about the relationships between absenteeism and achievement come from middle and high school. And so that's something to pay attention to because early absence predicts that middle and high school absence. So while some of the relationships are not as clear-cut about achievement and elementary school absence, although we have some results we can talk about here in just a moment, one really dangerous indicator is that they result in later absence. And this could be for a couple of reasons. One could be just general disengagement from school that if you're missing school in a chronic way, that is 10% or more of the school days per year. You don't get a chance to feel efficacious in your learning or you may feel disconnected from your peers or your teachers or other adults at the school, all of which are predictors of dropout and stopout much later, as well as repeating grades and failing annual achievement tests. So I think to Henry's point, one of the things that we want to pay attention to in these early grades is that notion of school connectedness. And if we think about missing school as kind of a dosage, it's not a thing that happens once and then the effect is mitigated by time in school. 10% of days in school is almost a month of school days. And so there's a dosage effect there of learning over time that's missed.
0: Lauren, thank you for explaining that. So I'm interested, is there a relationship between early chronic absenteeism and later attendance patterns and academic delays and the likelihood of dropout?
2: Yeah, I think we have talked about this a little bit. I think what we have seen from the work of some colleagues in Baltimore and others is particularly the chronic absence, which is defined as that 10% of school days or more, is really significantly predictive of things like dropout, of repeating grades, which also has influence on dropout, and then of failing the annual achievement tests or failing grades. And so while that can feel like sort of an extreme case, those like 18 days or more, that's sort of like it is kind of an arbitrary threshold for the purposes of flagging kids and using systems to understand when those things get dangerous. So while that is kind of the number we use in these predictive models or one of the numbers we can use in these predictive models, I think the other thing that's important to recognize is that that's just one of the factors. So it makes it incumbent upon adults in a building, be they guidance counselors or school leaders or teachers, to pay attention to the factors that influence that school absence. And Henry mentioned a couple of these, family mobility, illness, general disconnectedness. And so being aware of when those things are present because they could accelerate or exacerbate absence from school.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the data that we'll be talking about today, you know, specific to kids in early elementary in Delaware, you know, it doesn't look at dropout, right? That happens for kids that are much older. But what we do see is that, yeah, early absenteeism. So absenteeism in kindergarten predicts absenteeism in the next grade and first grade predicts absenteeism in second grade, third grade. But I think one of the things that's really, really interesting is that in our models where we were looking at the statistical relationship between absenteeism and student achievement, that when we're looking at achievement of kids in third grade, even after you've controlled for their absenteeism rate in third grade, Their absenteeism in prior grades still predicts differences in their performance. So in other words, it's not just about, hey, how much school did you miss this year? And that's what's driving your performance this year. Your performance this year could be influenced by how many days absent you missed three years ago, right? And that we see differences between kids that had higher or lower rates of absenteeism in kindergarten, but similar rates of absenteeism in third grade and we see differences in their performance, that's a pretty good indicator that it doesn't matter what grade you're talking about, try to get to school every single day.
0: That's really fascinating. And I think it's a really important implication for parents and teachers and school leaders to really think about too. So we've talked a lot about sort of the individual effects of absenteeism on student achievement and student outcomes. But I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit more about the effects of absenteeism at the school level.
1: So now, before we get into that, let's talk about like how prevalent this issue of chronic absenteeism is and then how that's sort of related to school context. So, I mean, one of the things that we did find is that absenteeism rates were slightly higher in kindergarten. So that sort of relates to what I was saying before about, you know, you make the transition into kindergarten, oh, if they miss a day of school, it's not a big deal or perceived as not as big a deal as missing a day in, say, third grade. So that may be driving some of that, but the absenteeism rates are not that much higher in kindergarten than they are in first and second and third grade. But I think what's really important is to see that, you know, across the entire state, there's a lot of kids that are missing like three weeks of school or more. So like one out of every eight kids was missing 15 or more days in a given school year. So right, that's three weeks worth of school. Now, of course, those days could be spread out across the school year and among those kids there are a decent number that are missing more like 20 or more days per year so that's like an entire month of school right now of course that might sound like a lot but when you think about well school years like 180 days you know 36 weeks long typically plus or minus it's actually only about one day absent every 3 to 4 weeks not hard to do right and so the idea that It's actually, if you're not really trying to get to school every day and not miss days, you can accumulate absences really easily, really fast. And then all of a sudden, boom, oh my goodness, I'm chronically absent. I had no idea. But related to what you're asking about in terms of how schools sort of come into play here, what we found, and granted, we weren't all that surprised to find this, but I think a lot of people don't realize that absenteeism is not at all evenly distributed across schools. This is not like an individual kid thing. It's not, you know, oh, Johnny has an absenteeism problem. When we see chronic absenteeism, it tends to be clustered in subsets of schools, right? So there are these schools that, you know, you've got very few kids chronically absent. Most of the kids had 10 or fewer absences, right? Those are great schools where kids are where kids are showing up. They don't have an absenteeism problem. But in a handful of schools, you've got... Almost half of the students missing 15 days or more. Wow. Right. So that means that if you're a teacher in a classroom in one of these schools, you're going to have to deal with like two to three kids absent, say, every other day. So imagine what that does to the instructional plans. You're constantly having to help kids get caught back up, reteach, reteach, reteach. And the degree to which things will actually sink in, like, it's tough. And the idea that all of that extra effort that the teacher has to go through to help the kids that were absent last week or the day before or what have you, that then impacts their ability to make progress with the kids that were there yesterday. So it affects everybody. And it becomes a systemic problem when you've got lots and lots of kids that are chronically absent. Lauren, did you want to add anything?
2: I do just want to underscore what this looks like from the classroom or school operation level. And I think it's really easy to think about, as Henry said, the individual kid. My kid's absent once a month. We have, you know, a virus that goes through the household. We're constantly cycling through it. When you think about what that means for a teacher... Even in a school on the lower end of that distribution, that means they're just constantly reteaching and then delaying the learning for a classroom. And so the sort of pushback that I've heard from some parents when I've talked about this is like, well, I do homework with my kid. We can make up the learning. And that may be true in an individual anecdotal instance like that. But that might not be true for the 23 to 28 kids in the classroom. And just because you are doing the homework doesn't mean your kid learned what they were supposed to learn that day. And then it doesn't get spiraled or cycled into the learning that they're supposed to do the next day and two days later. And then I think because of the clustering that happens here, when we see this kind of continual reteaching, that becomes an organizational feature. It's not a glitch in the system anymore. It is something that happens at the climate level. And then the other complicating factor, and I think exacerbating factor, is then there are particular types of schools in which that's likely to happen. And so you think about those schools are less likely to have veteran teachers who can differentiate or choose curriculum with ease and fluency. They might have more challenges with getting resources into classrooms that are necessary to do that kind of individualized learning. And there might be other environmental factors that make teaching and learning challenging, whether they are things like teacher absence that also might delay learning further, they might be combining classrooms, they might be an absence of special ed support, or they might be external to the school. So you might have... Some of these geographical features like asthma that causes kids to be home or more vulnerable to the viruses that just go through schools. And so there are these kind of cycling factors that are more likely to be concentrated in certain kinds of schools.
0: So what are the ways that Delaware schools in particular can combat the negative effects of absenteeism in early elementary school at both the individual and the school-wide level?
2: I think one thing Henry's talked about a lot is do everything in your power to make sure kids can be in school every day. And I think there is some mixed messaging. And so I think this is going to be bi-directional. This is both parents doing what they can to get kids to school. And it's also schools communicating the absolute essential role of these early grades and kids being in school for these early grades. And that's got to come from everyone. That's got to come from principals and from support folks and from teachers, paras, whomever this is. That has to be climate level messaging. That's got to be cultural to schools is we believe in being here every day because it is essential to what you'll learn next. There have also been some really successful Interventions in other cities, particularly Philadelphia, has done things like send out postcards. And because the influence on reading and math tests is so profound, and Henry can talk more to those results in just a moment. But just saying something like, your child has missed five days of school. If everyone in your child's school missed five days of school, everyone's test scores would go down. And so there's such a clear relationship that this kind of signaling or nudging, I think, is really powerful for parents because whether or not we think tests are the best way to measure learning, everyone kind of understands what they mean. And so finding some messaging around that at the state level, at the district level, at the school level, I think could be incredibly powerful. The other thing I would say is support teachers. (laughs) This is like, you know, this is the drum I will continue to hit for a long time. If it's hard for teachers to be in school, it's going to be hard for the students who are connected to them to be in school. So whether that means doing things to prevent teacher turnover, I think it's great that teachers are going to be paid more per the governor's recent State of the State address, but providing them with the working conditions that make it possible for them to do their best work, stay healthy, meet their own families' needs, and be in schools and be veteran teachers, like retain them long enough to be expert veteran teachers who can do this hard, differentiated reteaching that has to happen.
1: One of the key things that schools can do is leverage the data, if you will, right? It's kind of funny. People say, in God, we trust. All others bring data, right? If you really want folks to understand understand the scope and severity of a problem, you know, put some like clearly understandable numbers behind it. And so when we looked at the relationships between absenteeism and achievement, like we actually were able to quantify, you know, how does missing a few days of school, how does that change your likelihood of scoring proficient on the third grade reading test? And so, for example, like a kid that misses five days of school. So if you have a five day increase in absences, that student's likelihood of scoring proficient in reading in third grade goes down by 12%. So it's not a huge impact, but it's certainly, you know, it's big enough to be concerned, right? In math, it's a little bit bigger. A five-day increase in absences drives down the probability of scoring proficient by 18%. Okay? Okay. Now, of course, if it's not five days we're talking about, it's 10 days, then it gets even bigger, right? So then you're talking about anywhere from like a 20 to 30% decrease in the odds of scoring proficient in reading or math. And that's all at the individual level, right? So this is just one kid experiencing, you know, a string of absences or an e- increase in absences relative to their peers, but without seeing the whole rest of their school all of a sudden become chronically absent. So that raises the question, well, what if a bunch of kids in this school were chronically absent? And now, granted, these are different school contexts, but looking at the relationships that we see in the data, we can sort of make predictions about, hey, if a school were to be chronically absent and different than what they look like now, what would their proficiency rates look like? And so if instead of just looking at an individual student and that one student having five more days of absences what happens if the entire school body the average number of absences increases by 5 days right so this is this is going from being a relatively low absenteeism school like you know kids with mostly fewer than 10 days absent to being one of these chronically absent schools that's got like an average of 15 absences per kid well that's associated with a decrease in the odds of scoring proficient of 80% in other words If you are a chronically absent school, it is just devastatingly horrible effects on students' performance because so many kids are absent on any given day, and it's so disruptive to the learning process. So, you know, if you look at this at the individual level, you think about it as an individual problem. Yeah, it's bad. But when you look at it from a systemic level, you look at it from an organizational level, oh my goodness, it's so much worse. And so I think that actually, you know, what makes it really, really, really concerning is that you as a parent can make sure that your son or daughter shows up to school every single day, doesn't miss any day that school year, but if your son or daughter is enrolled in a school that has a chronic absenteeism problem, they're still going to have a huge detrimental impact on their learning because it's the whole school that suffers when that many kids are absent. So one of the things I think that means is, like, as Lauren said, not only do we need to like do what we can to encourage parents and kids to show up to school every day, but also to get schools as organizations to make this a real priority and to make sure that the supports are there and the encouragement is there to improve engagement. I think that it also has implications for policy. And the idea that, hey, you know, these chronic absenteeism indicators should be part of a school accountability system. I think these data suggest that's actually not a bad idea because, well, What do we try to influence? It's those things that are measured and those things that we're held accountable for. And so this actually puts it really, really clearly as a giant blip on the radar screen that we need to be paying attention to chronic absenteeism. And there may be schools that are doing a fine job already. And there are other schools that are really, really struggling with absenteeism. And then we need to really, really get all hands on deck to figure out, How do we address that? How do we get kids in school? How do we get kids engaged? How do we maximize their opportunity to learn?
0: Are there any school level barriers that a school might want to think about when they're thinking about absenteeism? What would be the things that a school would need to think about if they did have this issue? What would be some pieces you would ask them to look at?
2: So one, and this might be related to what Henry was talking about with the accountability systems, is the incentives are really backwards for school leaders. And because we have such a robust choice school architecture here in Delaware, which I think is really beneficial, but there is kind of a perverse incentive for school leaders to offload kids with really high absence because they pull down scores. They're hard to get a hold of. They are not typically the same students who will have families advocating for their best just because of the other constraints on the lives of that family. And so I think one barrier is just the kind of component five of it all, like what test scores mean for for school leader and teacher evaluations. And so there's this balance between holding schools accountable to getting kids in school, but also acknowledging how much that learning loss can be detrimental for those educators' careers and those educators' reputations. And so I'm wondering if there's a way to think through what it might mean to look at school-level absence without penalizing schools for that and instead giving them the supports to get kids back, because I think that the, the incentives are structured in the opposite way right now. Another barrier that comes to mind is childcare. As, as I think about both anecdotally and, and the data that I can think about in terms of why and when students are absent, it has so much to do with when and where their siblings are and if they're ill or if someone can't be home to take care of them or they can't get to a safe place, if they can't go to school because they're sick. I think that's one thing we can think about. What like one way of getting kids back in school is providing childcare for their siblings, especially much younger siblings. Those are the two that come to mind for me. Henry, what, what are you thinking about?
1: So I think one of the things we have to admit is that for any individual kid on any individual day who's absent that day, there's a whole bunch of different reasons that are going to be driving why they didn't make it to school that day. But I think when you think about the big picture, you know, parents and caregivers, they really want the best for their little ones. And so if they know that and, you know, you get get the information out there, get the data out there, explain to them that, look, it really does matter. Absences in kindergarten can actually impact performance in third. It's going to impact your kids' ability to read now and in a few years from now if they're absent in kindergarten. I think ultimately, what probably one of the best approaches is, but it's rather sort of time intensive, is to be monitoring from a school's perspective, monitoring absenteeism of each and every student. And that it's not just, it's not sufficient to just when a kid is missing from school to have the automated phone call home and say, your kid is absent today. And if you have any questions, call us back, right? That's not going to cut it. If you're trying to increase attendance, you've got to have a conversation with the parent and say, hey, just call in to check in and see how your son is doing. And then in that conversation, stress how important it is to minimize the number of days absent and to ask if there's anything the school can do to help ensure that the number of absences that that kid accumulates that year is as small as possible. That, I think, is going to help the schools then identify what they might be doing to support parents and, and get kids to school. But, you know, it's a very, very individualized approach. If you want to do this on a larger scale, take some cues from places like Philadelphia, like Lauren had mentioned, Right. And because you can do mass mailings to folks, like as soon as the kid is absent five days, boom, postcard goes out, says your student is absent five days already this year. Compared to other students in past years who missed five days this early in the school year, those students were five and a half times less likely to score proficient on the state test in reading and mathematics, right? Put some data behind it. So it's really about it recognizing there's a million different reasons why a kid won't show up on a given day. But kids need to be in school, in classrooms, with their peers learning. And it's not just about them. It's also about the success of their entire classroom and their school.
0: Thank you both. I was really struck by the example you gave, Henry, of the difference between the automated call and someone calling and the level of engagement, the difference there is really striking, right? Because I think you might be more likely to be aware of the absence and the importance of it if you were engaged with in that level. So thank you for that example. Lauren, did you have something you wanted to add?
2: I did. I thought about one more thing, and this is intersecting with some other work that's happening across the state. But To Henry's point, time out of the classroom is time out of the classroom, even if that's a disciplinary consequence. And so as we think about, and this is perhaps more pertinent to the upper elementary and middle school, but as we think about detention, in-school suspension, and out-of-school suspension, that's still time away from learning. And even if it's coded different in e-school or Schoology, it is not time learning in the classroom. And so I think perhaps one thing we could consider is the ways in which we balance or reframe or think very critically about disciplinary consequences that take Later elementary and middle school kids out of the classroom, even if that's ISS, even if it's someplace where there's an educator in the room, they're not in the classroom. They're not on pace with their peers. And so I would encourage folks to think really carefully about what school removal means when it comes to absence, even if it's a disciplinary consequence. I think we could do other things. I think we could get creative with what that looks like.
0: There's certainly been a lot of, um, I think you know, really enlightening conversation here. And I just to even echo some of the points that resonated with me, right? Like the postcards or when Henry said, right, one day every three to four weeks, that really adds up. So these are all really important things to think about when thinking about how schools should engage with parents and with students around the importance of absenteeism. Did you have any other thoughts you wanted to add?
2: Yeah, I'll add one more thing. And I think one of the things we didn't talk about here, but there are certain threshold years where this becomes really critical. So the kind of big transition years, and this is across the P-12 spectrum, but that third grade, when kids start to test, there's something substantively different. It's something we want to look out for there. When you get into middle school, it's sixth and ninth grade. And so you can imagine, you know, you go from being the oldest kid in your school to being the youngest kid in your school and not knowing your way around and not having the same degree of connectedness or relationships And so thinking about those like third, sixth and ninth grade years as opportunities to draw students and families in and establish some of those norms around we're here at school. We believe in being here. We're using our time to learn in those particularly vulnerable years, I think, is something to consider as well. And the other thing I'll say is just personally for school leaders or teachers who are listening to this, I think all my contact information will be in the show notes. So if there's any way I can be helpful with the data, as Henry said, we, we we bring the data. So if this is something you as a school leader, or as an instructor, want to look at individually, please reach out. And I'd be very happy to help with this on a one-on-one basis.
1: Yeah, I'll second that. I mean, even though the article that we've written does not identify any particular schools, if they were, were a principal or leadership team from a particular school that wanted to see where their data fell relative to the rest of the state, we'd be happy to share that. The student-level data that we're analyzing are all, an, all anonymized. So we don't know who a particular kid is, but we do know who the schools are, and we can track the absenteeism data over time. That said, the data that we do have only goes through the 2018-19 school year, so all pre-COVID stuff.
0: Well, thank you so much for offering that. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. There will be links to your faculty pages, your emails. And actually, Lauren, you have been on the podcast three times. So your other podcast will also be listed below. Well, but thank, thank you. you. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of E4E, brought to you by the University of Delaware Partnership for Public Education. For more information about the work being done by the Partnership for Public Education, please visit our website at www.udel.edu PPE.